Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Nancy P., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 9th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 84, the first paragraph beginning, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, reading two lines ending with self-pity will disappear. Today's readers are Katie G., Vanita L., and Elena C. The newcomer greeter is Jason K., and the host for the second hour is Matt J.F. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, September 8th, is uh, 17,704. That's 17704 for the 7 a.m. meeting and 17706 for the 10 a.m. meeting. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome, we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary, pr- primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, Marge E., recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Margie. Uh, Barb W., could you please read the Twelve Traditions? Good morning, Barb W. from Illinois. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, 
finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, <clears throat> OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Thanks, Barb W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the, big, what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared uh, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, we ask that you step back and let somebody else have a turn. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 84, the first paragraph beginning no matter how far down the scale we have gone, reading two lines ending it with self-pity will disappear. I will ask Katie G to begin reading. Hi, good morning, Nancy. Thank you for taking the meeting. Sorry, this is Elena C. I couldn't get in. I've been trying. That's fine, Elena. I have you. I have you checked in. But thank you, Katie. Go ahead. Katie. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> Sorry okay, thank about you. That. <laughs> All right, muting. Um, okay. I am KDG, still recovered in Boston, thanks be to God. All right, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear, and I'm starting my timer. You know, when I first read this, I was like, oh my gosh, the big book knows that I'm losing weight. Okay, it's not about that. So no matter how far down the scale we have gone is actually a reference like, no matter how low you get, no matter how bad things get, um, your experience um, will benefit others. And um, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Well, you know what? I, my, my breath, my DNA was filled with uselessness, which is empty, unsuccessful, able to give service, and self-pity, which is dwelling on one's own sorrows and self. And selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my problem. 
And you know, when people told me that my experience would benefit others when I was um, knee deep in food and throwing up and purging and binging, um, when I lost uh, a baby, when I was living the life that God and this world has given me, um, it didn't feel really good. I wasn't like, oh, great, my pain is going to help others. I have to tell you that my experience benefiting others has given me a life worth living today. Every, as someone said, blessed bite, every starving moment, every um, fight I got into, every selfishness attack, every verbal slander that I engaged in um, that, that helps you, there's this thing that happens that is absolute God because my experience is benefiting you. And the thing is, like, we're all living a very, we're all living life. We're addicts and we're living life and life is going to happen. I have been through, like, like all of us, many painful things. And I have cried with all of you on the line when you've walked through the same thing. Because my experience is benefiting you. This disease that I never wanted to have, that brought me to my knees, that was my biggest, like, just fix it, has become my biggest asset. Like, the darkest, I don't know what it says, Harlan can tell you, the darkest past has become the thing that makes me live and breathe. I've lived multiple lives in one lifetime, and the sicknesses that I have, even today, the sickness that I have, I'll wrap up with this, in my head, when I can call you and give you a step 10 and tell you I'm resentful at my one-year-old daughter, right, or I'm resentful at my husband again, right, or um, I'm going through this really terrible experience, please tell me that God is with me, right? You all have made my life worth living, and this disease is what brought me to my knees. Thank you, God, for bringing me to Overeaters That's Anonymous. Fine. And that's what I got. Blessings. Thanks, Katie G. Okay, so um, now we will open up the line for, <clears throat> excuse me, sharing again. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you haven't shared on Tuesday or Wednesday, um, please let's start taking names. Who would like to share? Darian K. Darian. Jessica Florida. Wait a second. From Florida, somebody from Florida. And Shannon from Boston. Tessa Q. And who's from Boston? Cindy B. Cindy B. Okay, so I have Darian K, Tessa Q, Shannon. Who is yeah, that? Shannon. Shannon. Shannon K. Karen K. And where are you from, Shannon? I'm sorry. Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. Vanita L, Georgia. Vanita L. Okay, that's a good lineup. I have Darian K, Tessa Q, Shannon. You'll give me your last initial. Cindy B. Karen K and Vanita L. Okay, Darian, go ahead. You're up. Oh, good morning, Nancy. Can you hear me okay? 
I can. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yes, this is Darian Kay from the Berkshires in Massachusetts. So grateful you recovered uh, for today, and um, very grateful to be on the line with all of you. Um, yeah, it, it is a little chuckle to see the scale word um, in this section and think, oh, doesn't that apply? Wait, what? I'm reading the AA Big Book. Um, <clears throat> but I also take it as like not only going far down, but like no matter where you come in um, to the program, like so you could be anorexic, you could be bulimic, you can be a overeater, um, a binger, a grazer like I was, um, and it doesn't matter sort of where you came in, um, you are going to have some experience to offer others and um, and they're going to be able to relate to you and people are going to um, you know, make you feel welcome, um, and you're going to be part of a group. And that that was huge for me, really, really huge. I never felt like I was part of the, any group, really. Um, I was in the band growing up, but um, they just seemed to accept everybody. And I just, I always felt like an outsider. Um, and, you know, it was, it was primarily because of my weight. And, um, and so when I read this, I think how inclusive this is and how, um, how wonderful it is that we can offer our experience to others, um, no matter where we're coming from with our disease, um, because it's, it's just all good. Um, and I really, um, I do believe that that's how I keep what I have as well, um, because I, I forget, I forget so quickly the pain of the overeating. Um, you know, I've been around for many years and so the the power of that awful bite um, is not as, um, you know, I don't feel it as much as I did originally. And so I have to remember where I came from. And that is how I, how I get that experience is talking to others and being available, um, whether it's sponsoring or just calling um, outreach calls or making sure I take newcomer numbers um, and just reaching out and sharing what I have. Um, it's it's just so important. Um, so if you haven't shared on the line, feel you know try it. Um, that's also a way of giving to others. Doesn't matter where you're coming from or how long you've been in program, um, but just step outside yourself and help others. It's important. Thank thank you. Thank you, Darian K. Tessa Q. Europe. Good morning. Thank you, moderator. Thank you. For everyone for bringing this meeting so I can stay abstinent this morning. Uh, Tessa Q, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from South Florida, still in awe. Um, I'm very humbled uh, by step one. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. So this started for me in my very first fifth step with a sponsor when she shared uh, her drunkalogue, right, her food story, um, and the ways she had acted out. And I continue that when I take a fifth step, and I continue that when I share my story. I was asked to share recently at a meeting, and for some reason I felt compelled uh, to share about the food story, the drunkalogue. And I cried. I still, I still get a little misty when I think about that meeting of how many newcomers shared, how important it was to hear that message. And, you know, I have a very cunning, powerful disease. It lies to me every day. And it tells me that these are the things that I do that I should be ashamed of and I should take them to my grave. But when I hear them come out of someone else's mouth, then I can say, me too. 
that feeling of usefulness and self-pity is is diminished. It doesn't go away completely for me. Um, it's always there and looking for fertilizer and sun and um, rain to grow in um, and opportunities to grow in um, and foodstuffs to grow in. Um, it doesn't completely disappear for me, um, but it becomes manageable. And the more I share, the more I share of myself and my story, um, the more I realize how much we have alike in the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for your service, everyone. Thank you, Tessa Q. Shannon from Tennessee, and please give me your last initial. Good morning. This is Shannon C. Uh, from East Tennessee. Uh, grateful Recover Compulsive Eater uh, through God's grace. Um, it's a miracle for my life. And I don't just say that. Um, every day I wake up and uh, the fact that I'm abstinent and living in the pre- presence of a power greater than myself is is a conscious presence of power greater than myself is just absolutely unbelievable. It's better than any anything I've ever experienced. Um, it's a direct result of getting to that point where, you know, um, you know, I hear a lot about hitting bottoms and things, and I guess for me, my bottom was getting to the point where I saw that no matter what, I was never going to get enough, ever. And it was only getting worse. Um, I was never going to get enough food. I was never going to be able to get enough control over it. I was never going to be able to get skinny enough. I was never, even when I did lose the weight, it was like my mind would go crazy. Um, and even if I, you know, was eating the way I wanted to, I felt bad physically. Uh, it was just a awful and it was never enough ever and uh finally it was at that point um that i I cried out to the god of my understanding and uh begged for help like i don't i don't care what it is i have to do who i have to call what changes i need to make i don't know what that looks like but help and um made a call and uh got the help i needed through a vision for you sponsor and um I believe at that moment that obsession was removed, um, and, but it was followed by action. It was followed by the taking the action of these steps and and surrendering uh, my will and life over to the care of God as I understood him and, and what that looked like was surrendering the food um, and what I thought that needed to look like. And so as a result of that, going through these steps, um, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, Along the way, I was able to be helpful and share and, and instructed to do that. But in order for me to be able to remain abstinent and, uh, you know, be able to help others, I needed to get through these steps and, and get into 11 and 12 and have that experience, not only with the problem, which was my compulsive eating, no matter how great the necessity or the wish, I could not stop. It was never enough. But also experience with the solution. Um, and it's it's amazing how my mind will tell me how how unqualified I am uh, because I have an, my ego will create an idea of what things should look like, and that's just more of the bondage of self. And uh, the ego will want to live up to that to my own idea uh, creation of whatever it is that I should look like in order to be helpful, and that keeps me in that feeling of uselessness. But the cool thing is I don't have to believe the, the stuff in my own head anymore. I get to rely on God and I get to rely on spiritual principles and actual actions that really work um, and get to uh, share this experience as it was shared with me, uh, the solution. Uh, steps outlined in the big book, um, follow directions, pass it along, let go of the outcome. Easier said than done. That's why I get to rely on God to do that 
at eight at home. Thanks for letting me share. So grateful for all of you guys and uh, grateful to, to live this life today. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Shanna C. Cindy B. from Boston. You're up. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your service. This is Cindy B. from Boston, recovering bulimic and um, food addict. And, um, you know, I uh, appreciate the um, qualification this morning. It was inspiring to um, hear um, just that no matter how far down the scale that I went, and I was a really low-bottom bulimic, um, that you know, I can help other people now and I have a different purpose in life. Um, I remember times of just, you know, 3 a.m. in the morning after I had just binged my brains out and going into my children, you know, who were young back then and just looking at them and just crying because I thought, you know, like they're growing up and I'm missing it all because my head's in the toilet, you know, so many times during the day and I'm not present for them. And, um, Today, uh, my, my kids are adults, and I have amazing relationships with both of them, and we are very close. And, um, you know, just the other day, I, I had actually lied to my son, um, and uh, I hadn't realized I'd lied to him until I was doing um, an 11th step, and I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, I had I covered up for something that I that he'd asked me to do, and I had sort of said I'd done it, and you know made an excuse. So I had to make an amend to him, um, you know, directly, cleanly. And you know, when I make amends to my kids, it you know they they really respect me um, because I do it. You know, I don't grovel. I just do it because I care about that relationship. I care about the principles that I'm living. You know, the principles of honesty and. Um, and the whole thing about self-pity, oh, my gosh. You know, like it says so many times in the big book, if, if, you know, if you look in the dictionary, the definition of an, of an addict, you know, is somebody who has self-pity, you know, is constantly at self-pity. And I, today it's like I am responsible for my triggers. If someone triggers me, that's not their problem. That is mine. I got to go take care of that. And, um, you know, so what I try and do with self-pity is, where can I move into self-compassion right away as soon as I notice that I'm in self-pity, which sometimes it's really hard to see because it's so juicy and I want to, like, luxuriate in it. Um, so I'll pass with that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cindy B. Karen Kay, you're up. Good morning. My name is Karen Kay, recovered compulsive eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credit stone transfer I need to say that sometimes because, um, you know, my experience of recovery, you know, the first step is really just about, um, you know, food is only mentioned once, uh, booze is only mentioned once. The rest is about living, and that's where my experience can benefit others. Um, I'm sure everyone on this line has, you know, a horror story about food. However, you know, with my state in life and how my life changes, um, God puts these people in in my path. Um, You know, getting married uh, next month and, um, you know, how does that work? I used to sponsor a lot of people that never married and had children and, you know, and it was easy for me. You know, I was able to, I was the only one here and, um, and I've been blessed with, 
sharing with people, um, you know, my, my getting a little weird about, you know, I'm marrying a normie. Um, that's a person with no addiction at all. And what I've learned is, and someone shared this with me earlier this week, is asking him to do something differently is asking him to manage my recovery. And I'm responsible for my own, re- my own recovery. Um, he's very supportive, which I'm grateful for. However, I know that I need to go to women that are married or how was it for you when you first got married? And it's, it's really stressful. And I know it's going to be, you know, the marriage is just a day. Uh, the whole, the honeymoon is just a couple of days or a week or whatever. And the rest is about, you know, building a lifetime with this person. And so I'm so grateful that the people, that the women and men can share their experience, strength, and hope of where they were in their life. That's what we all, I have a drunk log. I mean, I'm sure everyone here has, oh, I went down this far. But I think it's really important for me to look at, you know, where am I today? Who, Who can I go to has gone before me that they can show a lantern and show me the way that helped them. And it's my responsibility to reach out for those other people. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Karen Kay. Benita L., you're up. Good morning, everybody. Benita L. from Georgia. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. So it's great, these two lines have so much in them and I think it's awesome that we're doing this paragraph, you know, piece by piece. So I was, I'm grateful as far as weight anyway to have been a high bottom um, compulsive overeater and it so cracks me up that despite things I set out to accomplish in this life, I certainly didn't set out to be to go into 12-step programs, and I'm in two of them. And um, it's just, it's just I don't know, it's like humorous to me that the traumas I went through um, that included sexual traumas and craziness, that those are the most valuable things that I have for other addicts. A woman, I we got to the gym early, one morning and she started telling me about her food problems and then I found out that she had some 12-step experience from the past and you know I just I understood and I told her I was in no way and I told her you know no I get that I understand that and she still she didn't decide to come into the program but still when she talks to me about her food stuff like I get it she's like god this is so weird and it's like it's not weird to me you know, I understand it, and I hang around people who talk, you know, about these things all the time, and it's just amazing to me because without those experiences, I wouldn't, I would not be able to understand. You know, it just sounds like craziness—the addictive behavior, the weight obsession—and um, I'm still realizing on a deeper level now because I'm putting my food in an app. But I still am constantly trying to restrict my food intake and not nourish myself, which is what food is for. 
So I'm glad the uselessness and self-pity has disappeared and that I can help other compulsive overeaters. Thank you. Thank you, Vanita L. Okay, I'm going to take some more names. Again, I'll just remind people that we're reading on page 84, the first paragraph, beginning with no matter how far down the scale we have gone, and ending, reading two lines, ending with self-pity will disappear. So, again, if you have shared uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday, we ask that you step back. And who else would like to share on these two lines? Tina S. Tina S. Lynn S. Lynn S. Jen A. Jen A. I'm sorry, Amanda P. Anita J. Anita J. Reva. Lynn W. Nancy L. Okay, wait a second. Let me see. Tina S., Lynn S., Jen A., maybe it was, oh, it must have been Anita J., not Amanda. Um, Reva P., Lynn W., and Nancy L. Okay, let's go. That sounds like a good lineup. Okay, Tina S., go right ahead. Thanks so much, Nancy, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. And uh, well, what a great meeting, you know, and I, too, am really grateful that we break this down to uh, sentences at a time to really get the full benefit of the promises. Because when I first came in the room, that's why I stayed. You know, they read the promises, and, and I thought, you know, I want those. Now, there were some, like this one, I can tell you the truth. You know, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we can see how our experience can benefit others. I don't know that I necessarily thought that I was, you know, wanted to help anybody else. You know, I came in here selfish and self-centered to the extreme. You know, and I have a, and I loved it. What shared, you know, I always want more. There is never enough. You know, and today I still have that thought, but you know, I have a different solution today. You know, I no longer act on those things that I used to. You know, I've changed the behaviors. I, you know, I keep things out of my body so that I don't want more and things like that. And I only learned that through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and coming into the rooms with shared like people. I'm, I'm sorry, same like same minded people. And, um, you know, that's the good news today. But the next sentence, you know, uh, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we can see how our experience can benefit others. You know, that, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. You know, because when I came in here, I, I certainly felt useless and self-pity all the time. You know, and the good news today is I don't, I don't feel that self-pity. You know, as soon as that comes to mind, you know, I'm, I, my thought is to help somebody else because I, no, I no, longer, no longer want to romance that stuff. But to be useful today, you know, I have a purpose today. I never had one. You know, I came into the rooms and they said I have a primary purpose and I was excited. I mean, that's the truth. I was so excited that I finally had a primary purpose. And so I live that today. You know, I see how I can help others. You know, I, you know, I'm, and this is just the truth for me. I call at least three or four people a day. I don't want to. I don't always want to, but I do it anyway. And after I do, when somebody picks up, I am delighted, you know, so that I can share with somebody else or somebody can call me and share with me. You know, what a life today, you know, because I never had that before. The only solution I ever had was food, booze, sex, drugs, whatever. It didn't matter. Shopping, you know, money. It didn't matter what it was, but it certainly was an, a power greater than myself. And that's the solution today. And you know, food is but a symptom for sure. It doesn't matter what I eat. You know, it does matter that I keep those allergic substances out of my body. But the solution is the 12 steps to have a spiritual awakening, to have a trans 
transformed person of myself to be somebody different. And, and, and so grateful. I'm looking forward to the rest of the meeting. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Lynn S., you're up. Good morning. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, I was just sitting there, and I remember these words. I had 17 years of uh, abstinence, and then I went through an eight-year recovery. Oh, sorry, eight-year relapse. And that eight-year relapse was more painful than the first 36 years before I came into program. And I can remember one time just sitting there and the big, huge eyes and the tears welling up in the food and thinking, all I could think of was this line, you know, and somehow this experience would benefit somebody else. And I thought, I'm dying here. In fact, I'm a walking dead. How can this possibly help somebody else? Or, you know, that was, there was some glimmer of something there. I don't know if it was anger or resentment at the lines or maybe hope, I don't know. But I I do remember that line. And now, uh, being a recovered person in OA, not only did that experience, can I relate that experience to others, but being able to relate that I was able to recover from that. But it's not just that. That that experience, and, and even when I came out of it, I was still kind of sullen and full of self-pity and uselessness because all my friends were getting their 20-year medallions and on and on, and I wasn't. And it took me a long time to get over that, but the experience of the relapse changed me and gave me a more open heart and more compassion for others. And I was just speaking on the phone yesterday to somebody who's in relapse after being in recovery for a long time. And just being able to listen to them with an open heart and with a different attitude towards relapse and the depth of the pain of it. And to be able to offer somebody some hope. And to say it in perhaps a different way than somebody who hasn't experienced that and then the recovery afterwards, I am so grateful that those terrible, terrible years I went through can help someone else. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, uh, Lynn S. Jen A., you're up. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Thanks so much for taking the meeting and everybody for being of service to put on this awesome big book study. In studying these promises, I came in on page 83 and 84 in 2016. Um, The man who sat across from me in the face-to-face meeting, he had that little blue book and he opened it up and he read these things. And when he read them, he read them with such peace and serenity, calmness. And every time he shared in the meeting, I heard a message of what we call in the big book, depth and weight, right? Like it had substance. Um, I felt like he felt, I thought like he thought, and I ate like he ate. And I identified in with him. Um, you know, that was, that was the reality of it. And um, if you would have ever said to a girl like me, you're going to come to Overeaters Anonymous uh, to become useful, I would have looked at you and been like, oh, really? That's what this program's about? But it is. I was a useless individual in my household, in society, 
um, to the God of my understanding who I didn't understand anymore, who I thought had failed me, but the reality was I used God. And um, what I will say today that this book, this practical program of action, um, leads to, um, you know, the promises. And there's promises weaved all through this book. These aren't the only ones. But if these are the ones that caught my eye and I said, I want what that person has and I want these, these things to come true in my life and I'm willing to do whatever it takes, put down the food, the exercise, the vomiting, the restricting, the pins, the pills, the potions, you know, the needles, I was ready to do it because I couldn't live in the bedevilments anymore. I felt like Pinocchio with the strings on, you know, I was just held in entrapment by that and being danced around like a puppet. But today I will say, life is not perfect, but it is fan-frickin-tastic. And I feel like I've got no strings to hold me down. And I'm a girl that can dance. I feel useful not only in this program of Overeaters Anonymous. I feel like a useful member of society. And more important than that, I feel like I'm useful to God. That God is using me everywhere in my life. Not just in OA, but everywhere. Whether it's at the grocery store or it's at my work or it's with my daughter last night who comes home. What a great place to be. What peace and serenity. You know what? I can't buy that on a shelf. It didn't come at a pay and way program. What it came, where it came is from uncovering, discovering, and discarding the things about myself that were blocking me off. So if you're here today, these promises, they're true. They're really happening on a daily basis, not just one time. So keep coming back, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Uh, Anita J., you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, um, for your service. Uh, this is Anita J., recovered uh, food um, eater, food compulsive overeater, and food addict. And um, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that led me to the vision meeting that is just a normal, sane meeting. and. Um, Somehow this time I totally heard it. I've been in the room since 1978. And um, an image came to me this time, uh, listening to people and reading that those two, two lines again, no matter how far down we go, you know. Um, I was once the president of the PTA and the kids were, you know, I don't know, first, second, and third grade, something like that. And I was supposed to introduce somebody. Well, he didn't show. They said, get out there and say anything till he comes. I go, what should I say? Well, I turned into a comedy monologue. And um, on the way out, the parents, as they passed me by, one of them said, I thought I was in a nightclub. You're a regular toady Fields. Well, Google it. She was an obese comedian. And I smiled, and I went through the rest of the evening. And then I got home, paid off the babysitter. My husband went to bed or wherever he went. I said, I want to take a shower. I got in the tub, turned on that water full blast, and screamed. Screamed and screamed and screamed. The pain, the pain wasn't just the weight. It was just from the depths. 
how do you clean that up? Only God can, but he can't just zap you. He wanted me to grow up. He wanted me to take responsibility for my life today. It isn't the trauma of when I was a three-year-old. I'm no three-year-old. I'm in the octogenarian stage. It doesn't matter. Somehow, I feel like sometimes there's a glow. Of course, I have a vision issue. Maybe that glow is just glare. Who cares? I'm a grateful woman, and I just wanted to pass that on because it's for everybody. It's for everybody. We're all of worth and value. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anita J. Reva P., you're up. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. And I'm just reflecting on these two sentences. And the first sentence, um, no matter how far down the scale, I'll see how my experience can benefit others. Not my knowledge, not my advice, um, not any of that stuff, not my profession, my experience. And I'm just um, reflecting on how amazing God is that he takes my deep, darkest pain, my most horrible, horrible moments And that gets used for my higher good. And that is the catalyst um, that gets me to transform and become something that I never, ever imagined. And in addition to that, that horrible experience, all those skeletons in the closet, um, is used to help other people. You know, my challenges with my mother's declining physical and cognitive health, some of the experiences you know, trying to have children, having children, um, marriage experiences, all that experience um, gets used for some higher good. Just just really um, amazing how that works. Um, And it works the opposite way too when I hear other people's experiences. And the feeling of uselessness and self-pity. Oh, I know self-pity. Um, I, I, I know self-pity, and I love this definition, excessive, self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. I feel like God just takes us by putting the food down and working the steps, lifts me out of the pit, out of the mud, where I'm sitting in the mud saying, it is dirty, I'm in the mud, complaining about the mud, talking about the mud, and by doing the step work, I just get pulled out. I don't affirmation myself out. I don't try harder myself to get out. I get pulled out. Um, And I can't say that uselessness and self-pity have totally disappeared, if I really want to be completely honest. Um, But as I continue and continue, because step 10 is a summary of all all the step work, including nine, where I change for the better um, and I start taking real, real, um, heavy-duty action, um, it will disappear. Um, and I just, I'm just floored by these promises. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Lynn W., you're up. Lynn, press star one.
Okay, uh, we'll come back to her. Nancy L., would you like to share? Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, I'm sitting here talking to myself. Um, I'm Nancy L. I'm recovered for today, a compulsive eater. And also, I learned a new word from listening to people share on vision the other day. And um, it's alanonic. Oh, man, am I an alanonic. Uh, and I've been an alanonic and an excessive food, uh, compulsive eater for many, many years and uh, had a lot of experiences. One experience I've had is living a life of self-righteousness. And that self-righteousness was so great. I thought myself able to live my life crazy as it was and not only live it myself, but to tell other people how to live their life. And my life got worse and worse. And my life, you know, talking about down the scale, my life went down the scale and went to places that I would never, never have thought I was capable of going. And then I found these 12-step programs and have been in this, I don't even know how many years. Um, I've been in the 12-step programs, um, trying to work them, but also at the same time holding on to some of my deepest, deepest, ugliest secrets and sharing a lot of things, but holding on to those, I'm going to take them to the grave. Well, I almost took them to the grave before I finally just found out that I needed to let God use me in a helpful and um, in a helpful way. So today, thanks to everybody who shared. This has been so wonderful. And Nancy, thank you for finding another Nancy out there who's suffering from the same disease that I have. Um, today, I can honestly say I'm not taking any secrets to the grave. I hope I don't go to that grave for a long time because I think God is using me, not only in this program, but in all the areas of my life, being a useful wife and a useful mother and a useful grandmother and a useful uh, leader at my church and different organizations that I belong to. And I can do that today because I'm not wrapped up with my codependency behaviors and my food behaviors and all of that's come through the 12 steps and making the decision to turn my life over to the God of my understanding. That's time. And thank you and I thank you for the opportunity to share and I will pass. Thank you Nancy L. Uh, Lynn W. Are you available to share? Okay, uh, it looks like we have uh, time for two, maybe three people. Who else would like to share? Two for sure, maybe three. Vasa O. Vasa O. Lynn W. And Lynn W. Oh, okay. Lynn, why don't you go first, because you were from before. So go ahead. 
Oh, Lynn, press star one. Lynn, is that you? Okay, sorry. This is Joanne W. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was Lynn W. I beg your pardon. Go right ahead. Oh, that's okay. Thank you. Um, this is Joanne W. from Pennsylvania Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Um, just was listening to everything. I'm not sure what to add to it, but thinking that, that uselessness and self-pity of thinking that my experience, strength, and hope could help other people, the trauma going through childhood with my dad and this life experiences through my marriage, through childbirth, miscarriages. I just want to thank you for helping me to think differently and with going through therapy. And I just wanted to say thank you. And I pass. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Joanne W. Vasa O, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, for your service. And everybody's service this morning, I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovida, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. I just, the promises, I remember going, when I started going to my meetings at the beginning, and I, I just would listen very carefully of the promises. And I remember thinking, this is just too good to believe or to be true for me. But it gave me so much hope. I just... Finally, finally, I hadn't. I had no clue anything about addictions, food addiction, eating disorders, compulsive overeating, and I had been in it for 25 years of my life, and trying to look for the solution everywhere. And I, I was just. I'm so grateful that the, you know, my higher power read and uh, led me to Overeaters Anonymous. I remember like maybe a month before I came to. Over it is anonymous. I remember praying out to God, which I hadn't ever prayed to God. And I was coming home from shopping. I remember reaching out with one hand, one hand out and holding on the steering wheel and saying to God, God, if you're there, please help me. Just help me. I need you. I just where are you? And I didn't know anything about eating disorders, but I, I had been struggling for years and looking for the solution. And not too long after that, I was led into, a month late, I was led into Overeaters Anonymous. And I will never be, be so more grateful that finally there was a solution to my problem. And I could recover in spite of my husband, my kids, or anybody else if I worked the program. So, yes, for me, abstinence became number one because I wouldn't have been able to work the rest of the steps. I kept on hearing from my sponsor, if you do not have the clarity, you will not be able to work the steps, and you'll keep on going back and forth, back and forth to the food. So I did make that commitment. I did surrender to a higher power greater than myself, and that was the beginning of my new life, you know. And I remember hearing the set-aside prayer. Forget about, put, put everything aside, Vasa, that you know by yourself, about God, about everything in your life. This is going to be a new way of life. And it was, and I love the promises. The promises became and are becoming true for me 
one day at a time, and I have the joy and the peace that they're talking. And I've had the experience. Now I could give, I could help others with my experience uh, that I've gone through my lifetime with the food addiction, with everything else. And I did, I was full of self-pity. Oh, my God, I was, it was just, poor me, I'm the victim. Why is this happening to me? Well, a lot of people going through life and life's problems. I'm not the only one. Thank you, I'll wrap it up. So keep coming. It works, and I'm so grateful I keep coming. I listen. I don't share much any longer, but I'm at the meeting every time. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. We have three minutes left. Would anybody else like to take that time? One last slot. Who would like Karen it? K. Karen, I heard Karen, I think, first. Erin K. Oh, Erin K. Yep. Go ahead, Erin. Okay. I'm Erin K., recovered compulsive overeater in Michigan. Um, I've just been listening to everybody's shares and thinking, you know, these promises, like, this is really happening to me in my life. And um, I thought about an amends that I, I made to my dad <clears throat> who did something a really long time ago. And I, and I spent most of my life kind of steeped in self-pity over it, thinking I was owed an apology. And I looked at everything in our relationship through that lens. And then the resentment built until one day I just blew up at him and tore a wrist in our relationship that was so bad that he didn't come to my wedding. And then I spent, you know, I've spent the past three years basically trying not to love him, basically trying to shut the door on him. And as I did my inventory, it was amazing. I mean, my thinking was rearranged. I I opened myself up to seeing my part and allowed God to amplify that and allowed his part to just become inconsequential background noise. And I prayed that sick man's prayer for him every day. And I was able to make amends to him. And, it, you know, I knew going into the amends, it, it wouldn't really even matter what he said. And it didn't. I mean, it, it went well, but the, the new freedom that I know now is that I'm, I'm now free to love him. I can just love him. He's my dad. I do love him. And it's just astounding to me how these, you know, it really is before I was halfway through, these promises were coming true for me. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Erin. Um, we have one minute. Anybody want one minute? Barb W., Illinois. Go ahead, Barb. Go ahead, Barb. It comes to mind that um, in my higher power, who I call God's economy, that my waste products, I mean, compost pile type of waste, things I've used and the way I behaved or whatever. It's, it's like a compost pile. It's not taken to the landfill and buried under and plasticized and not useful, useful to anything and just there festering and making, making heat. But it actually, it's in a compost pile and it requires a shovel to turn it around and dig it in into the soil and the soil around me gets better and better and things grow better and better. That my, my refuse, my bad things in the past with a shovel and work become useful for the next purpose. And I don't know what that will be, but God does. And I pass. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Barb W. And that will take us out. Um, 
Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Share ID for today, um, Thursday, September 9th, is 17712, 17,712. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Vanita L. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if our own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.